Hey, welcome to the show. Great to be with you today in the studio with uh, Deacon Adam Conk. Hey, bud. The world famous bear. <laughs> and Paul George, great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in on uh, the podcast, wherever you are on the radio. KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. We live here in Lafayette, Louisiana. We sure do. Happy to do it. Happy to live here. I mean, you actually live in St. Martinville. Right. Which is a suburb. Is this the first time you actually live in the city limits of Lafayette? Me? Yeah. Actually, our house is not considered city limits. You're kidding. Mm-hmm. So you've, have you ever lived in the city limits? But I mean, like, we're right there. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's just the way it's zoned, you know? So, you know, like in our neighborhood, you can... Because we're outside the city limits, you can pop fireworks. Oh, on nice! Holidays. It's horrible, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, because our you know it's a neighborhood, and like fireworks are hitting our house. Like people are shooting, <laughs> yeah, bottle rockets, and and you're just like, what is happening here? <laughs> I grew up in the country. We did that in the country. It's like, yeah, you didn't hit people's houses, right? Yeah, I had that same experience growing up. It, hitting people's houses or people with with uh, fireworks wasn't a goal of mine. Like growing up, yeah. It's right. kind of like something you just kind of enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No, no, it's crazy. Man, lots going on. We got a lot to talk about today on the show. A lot of cool things uh, happening. Uh, Grit Group 2.0. So we wrapped up. You you were on the first round of the men's yeah. groups. Uh, I will be able to tell my grandchildren I was in that first Grit Group. Yeah. Yeah, you were the, the original. Yeah. Yeah, the OG on the Grit. <laughs> yeah. So round two is coming up. For Lent, so you can sign up now. There's they'll fill up. So if you're hearing this, pass it on. It's a men's group online. It's a community, and uh, you go through eight sessions. So anyway, just it's easy. Holygrit.org. That is easy. Holygrit.org. I mean, as easy as possible for mm-hmm. guys to sign up. And then the book Holy Grit drops February coming up soon. That's so exciting. People can pre-order it on Amazon. You just type in Holy Grit, and it'll come up. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy, right? Does every book come with a pocket knife too? If you join the great group, it does. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I still carry mine. Yeah, my great group knife. <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of um, speaking of knives, okay. Speaking of knives, have have you actually seen what happened here? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're such a routine guy. Yeah, I am. And you just broke that routine. Well, you had your hand in your pocket. <laughs> You're looking for your pocket knife. I was grabbing it to show you. You I were grabbing lying. it, and I was kind of like stalling. Oh, <laughs> I got you. For you to hit the <laughs> the have you seen button. Have you actually seen this? Have thing you actually that seen what <laughs> happened over here? Okay, check this out. <clears throat> uh, this actually happened. Uh, a thief steals a Saint Michael statue. From the church, mm. mm-hmm, trips and is injured by the angel's sword. It like goes into him. So, jeez, for, there's so much here. First of all, if you ever want to mess with like, you know, Saint Michael, I, I would just think twice. A drunken thief was injured after falling on the sword of a statue of Saint Michael. Uh, so, Al- Alonzo reportedly jumped over the fence in front of the church, uh, broke a glass door, and entered the church. So. He, he broke in. It was an inside statue. Yeah. Gosh. While trying to flee, he stole the statue, the St. Michael, the Archangel statue. Um, you know, it's a statue with wings, and then he's holding a sword, you know, the mm-hmm. spiritual battle. I mean, if, if you don't know, look it up, right? Um, there's tons of different images of, 
St. Michael, the archangel, but yeah. Um, the alleged thief running away tripped and fell, and the angel's sword pierced his neck, seriously his injuring His neck? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm laughing. I'm sorry. I'm just, he didn't die. Okay. He didn't die. So, so Alonzo is still alive, yeah. So someone was passing by, saw it, called, and, and then, you know, whatever. Here's the funny thing is that the statue was unharmed. Really? Mm-hmm. Not chipped or anything? No. Wow. Yeah. I bet he wishes he stole the Virgin Mary statue or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't steal any. I think right. you would get get what's coming to you somehow. Well, and what a grace for Alonzo because he didn't get away with it, uh, so he might repent of it. Because that would be on the, I mean, that's a pretty serious sin to walk into a church, steal a statue, mm-hmm. and run out. Yeah. So now he kind of knows, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if like he he had a rude awakening in a sense of like, um, wow, like man, a conversion or I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, maybe we talk about Saint Alonzo a uh, hundred years from now on the show. Yeah, and be like, you got to hear this weird story about how Saint Alonzo found his faith. It is kind of weird that you know we do have <clears throat> statues. Okay, um, you know like mm-hmm. you go into other churches that aren't you know, Catholic or whatever that they don't, they don't do that. They don't do statues. Yeah. They don't do statues, you know, which is crazy. Like there's been statues and relics and imagery in the church for thousands of years. I mean, thousands mm-hmm. of years, right? Like, oh, yeah. like before they can even read or even write, right. Mm-hmm. They would draw out the, the scene of the gospel, paint it out and, and, you know, paint the imagery of, you know, Jesus or the saints or the apostles or the scene of the gospel, right? And like in in the very early church, like that's how they would explain what happened, you know, because a lot of people couldn't read. The Bible wasn't interpreted yet. It wasn't written yet. It wasn't translated in the various languages yet. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, so even if you did have a version, it wasn't the version you could read. Like, so, so the imagery, the paintings all just spoke of the life of God, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just weird. Like you could walk into like a, a church that's not Catholic, uh, and there's no imagery. It's just like walls and you know, like it's just different. So anyway, like even some people might hear, like, well, who cares if you steal a statue? Well, that statue could be like a thousand years old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This this has actually happened in Mexico that you know, there's some churches there that are ancient. Yeah. Super old. Super old. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Catholics, unless you really talk to non-Catholics about that question, um, there's a reason they don't have statues. Uh, They really don't think they ought to be done. Um, In fact, again, Catholics might not realize this, but non-Catholic Christians will often have a different list of the Ten Commandments, a different ten. And one of them will be, thou shalt not carve or um, create a graven image of God or like it, because there is in the old Testament, it says not to do that in Catholic theology. And for 2000 years and even Jewish theology, that's understood to mean idols. Yeah. Not worship God through idols. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the charge is that Catholics threw that commandment out and then we worship idols by worshiping these statues. That's one of the reasons anti-Catholic uh, folks don't, don't like us doing statues. Yeah, which is so silly because it's a it's a myth, it's a misconception, it's a misunderstanding, it's a lie mm-hmm. from you know the pit of hell mm-hmm. that Catholics worship idols. 
Right. Like, like it's silly. Like I never see an image or a statue of Mary and think I'm worshiping that statue. No <laughs> one ever teaches that. It's not in any dogma or theology. Like I don't see a painting of St. Joseph or of St. Michael the Archangel, an image or a statue of Jesus and think I'm worshiping this idol. No, like then it's saying like in anything, like your music can become an idol. Like you, mm-hmm. what you draw music, uh, you know, write it out and sing it, and it gives you image of like the gospel. Or you paint, it's like, well, mm-hmm. that's idolatry, you know. Or you produce a movie about Jesus, you're like, oh, you're worshiping those, you know, that. It's, it's like no, it's silly. It's like all art that depicts the beauty and the imagery of the gospel, so that you can, you you know, in your mind begin to really imagine you know, Christ is real and, and the disciples and the apostles and the church and the history and, and, and God as, you know, something that's alive and real. Like, that's all it is. Like, you know, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I've, I've had some pretty powerful moments with art. Absolutely. Well, I mean, God himself, uh, in his commandments to Moses, very specifically said how certain things should be created, statues, images, for the Ark of the Covenant, let's say, that had two... Uh, angels on top of it that were very specific. What very specific. Um, the Ark of the Covenant itself, you know, uh, the temple. The tabernacle. The tabernacle. In the Ark of the Covenant. The actual commandments. Yep. Were writing imagery. Like, you know, no one worshipped those. You know, they were, right. you know, written down as, as a reminder, an image to see, you know, like we they saved them. You know, all, all those things. Yeah. And I mean, not to nerd out too much, but there's such a rich... Catholic theology. I kind of like when you nerd out. <laughs> Catholic theology about images and statues that it's really beautiful. But I think one thing to nerd out about is, uh, I mean, traditional Catholic theology. Um, we see that spiritual things, spiritual realities, or spirits are present. Like, have you ever you ever think about that? Like, are angels everywhere? We know God's everywhere, but like, are angels everywhere? Is the devil? everywhere is he on mars is he on pluto is he in louisiana like is he like god where he can be everywhere well the answer is no he's not like god he can't be everywhere and neither can the saints or angels um because they're not god but even god this this is true where spiritual things spirits spiritualities are present wherever they are influencing Hmm. wherever they're having an impact in the material world they're present in the material world if that makes sense and so the devil is present wherever he is influencing, wherever he is impacting the world. Hmm. St. Michael is present wherever he is influencing, impacting. So he's definitely present on Alonzo's neck, for example. Pierced. Um, pierced. God is present where he is impacting, which is everywhere. He holds the whole material world, universe in existence, so he's present to all things because of that. And so images and statues are certainly reminders, certainly points of meditation, but they also make those things present because mm. like for example the blessed virgin mary that a statue of her an image of her uh is certainly a holy reminder but it's also a way for her to be present because she's impacting the material world through her image through um it invites her presence into the church it invites her presence into our home it invites her present when we when we put up these images and these statues that's what we're doing we're inviting the presence of these saints and it's it's very profound and it's real. And um, anyway, so if you want saints present in your home, you know, put up images and statues, and they will always be present, literally, because now they're always influencing. 
And that's one of the reasons why the devil hates images and statues of saints, is because if they're present, uh, he can't have such an impact. So destroy it. Yeah, I mean, it's why, you know, not to take it too far, but like in exorcisms, they bring a crucifix, not just a cross, like the the actual image of, of Jesus on the cross, you know, and we'll have a lot of... Folks who aren't Catholic will be like, well, we just have a cross. Like, why would you have a crucifix Jesus on the cross? You know, he rose from the get. You know, he he, mm-hmm. he died and rose. And like, yeah, but the cross was never empty. Like, the we can't forget the price that he paid. Yes, at Easter, there's a, <clears throat> we, you know, certainly believe the resurrection. But yeah, we never forget the cross, right? The crucifix. Mm-hmm. Jesus died. And so, we, uh, you know, as Catholic, like, we live in this... Uh, flow of the Paschal mystery, mm-hmm. you know, reflecting on the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, right? All mm-hmm. three, like they they, they 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 flow in our life. You know, uh, if you if you pray the Rosary all week, like you're going through that life. The, That's right. You know the the joyful, the glorious, the you know the the sorrowful, you know the luminous. All those mysteries of just the life of Christ. Like we don't just segment the life of Christ and pick and choose what we want. You know, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I'm just going to be in the joyful, you know, I'm going to forget all the other stuff, you know, because I just don't want to. And no, like we, we come alive when we really understand the full life of Christ, you know, the beauty of the church, you know, gives us all this, this theology and imagery to like bring us to a full picture mm-hmm. of who God is. Yeah. And if we believe that the cross was more than just bodily torture, that something spiritual was happening, that... Christ in his humanity was laying down his life for the sins of the world and in his divinity he was bringing us into the very life of God by this sacrifice by giving us access to salvation by his sacrifice there's something more than just bodily torture there's something of spiritual weight and eternal weight to the cross that reality that spiritual part that eternal part is present wherever the cross of Christ is wherever the crucifix is specifically to your point you take Christ off the cross, you remove the sacrifice of it, you remove the the deeper meaning of the cross. I mean, the cross as an instrument of torture is not that valuable to humanity, but because God got on a cross and gave his life for our salvation and that deeper meaning, spiritual weight of it, mm-hmm. that's what makes the cross mean something. And when we have a crucifix in our home or, or in any situation of, of desperation like an exorcism, we invite that eternal weight of the cross into our life the salvation one there you know it's not a um it's not an event we don't have access to it's not something we remember like i don't know like a memorial in in washington dc or something we remember how christ died for our sins it's a reality we can access hmm. it's a mystery we can invite into our life and that is salvation in jesus is by the cross hmm. amen okay uh got lots to talk about today uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844 844- Three eight seven eight five three three. That's eight four four three eight seven eight five three three. 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George and Deacon Adam Conk, who we nicknamed the Bear last week. Yeah, if it catches on, um, we can go many places with it. The that. older you get, the more you look like a bear. So it's just the more I'm, act like one, too. <laughs> I'm going with it. We even talked about renaming the show Paul and the Bear, which for some reason just has a better ring to it. I tell you what, can we put it to a vote amongst our listeners? Yeah. Yep. Are we ready to you know put yep. it out there? Yeah, the best way to vote, just go to paulgeorge.la. And there's a f- submission form, like a you mm-hmm. know, like you can contact and just put your your title for the show, what you think it should be. My, I think my proposal is Paul and the Bear. It takes some explaining. It does. So I guess that makes it a horrible title, but yep. I kind of like it. Yeah, Paul and the Bear. Yeah, uh, lots to talk about, but I actually <clears throat> um, want to do a new segment today called uh, Nerding Out. So nerding out is uh, like when I think of you, uh-huh. I think of this segment. Okay. Okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the nerding out segment. Okay. All right. And you have no idea what I'm gonna say. That's true. But you have to pick a lane to go in. I have to nerd out. You have to nerd out a little. Can bit. Can I reciprocate this? Yeah, yeah, we can go back and forth. All right. So, as like, a, next episode, I could be like, Paul, you're a, nerding out. Yeah, but it, I don't nerd out as good as you. I've seen you nerd out. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. Okay, so this week, uh, if you're listening, this whole week, we uh, commemorate a bunch of really nerdy saints. Okay, now, okay. Okay. And, I'm starting and, to get the idea mm-hmm, here. And pretty cool. I'm going to go through a list, and I'm going to give you a theory, okay, and then I'm going to give you a question. Okay. All right. So, so just... Just so everyone listening knows the the jam packed week we have here. Okay, Saint Francis de Sales, mm, January twenty okay. fourth. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, conversion of Saint Paul. Ah. Okay, Saint Timothy and Titus. Okay. okay. Uh, Saint uh, Angela Marici, which, Marici, yeah, Marici, yeah, which you know m- most people might know not know about. I don't know a lot about her. Uh, the twenty eighth, um, Saint Thomas Aquinas. Oh boy. Okay. Now, that's just this week. Like, that's just Monday to Friday, okay? I don't know how you go from St. Paul, St. Francis of Sales, Timothy, and Titus. There's some apostles in this thing, and then some great saints. Here's my theory here. Why are these all on the same week? Okay, this is just a theory. I don't know this. I didn't look it up, okay? But here's one of the theories I have, why they're on the same week. Okay. Is that they were all great writers. Think about that. I'm nerding Um, out. So I'm starting the nerding out segment. St. Francis de Sales was yeah, a good writer. patron of communication. Okay, St. Paul uh, <laughs> Hello. Wrote, wrote the majority Hello. Of, the, of the New Testament. I'm Okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong? No, you're totally right. Okay, like two-thirds or, you know, you, I think you more. Or, yeah, I mean, okay, Timothy and Titus each have a, a book. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, uh, and then St. Thomas Aquinas. The most, oh, come on. Okay, right? Come on. A doctor of the church. You know, I've never thought about that theme of holy writings. I'm just saying, week. like, why are they on the same something. week? I always wonder, why, like, why are they paired in the same week? And I don't know. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the nerding out segment. You have to pick one of the saints and give me a story about them. Oh, my word. Okay. I'm going to nerd out on St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay. You figured that would happen. I kind of figured it would happen. It was happen. between him or St. Francis de Sales. Okay. Good nerd out, but uh, let's let's do the STA thing. Okay. okay. All right. So my oldest son is named Thomas. Hmm. 
because of St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay. Because uh, I, w- I was originally going to name him Joshua, because mm. uh, I found out that Joshua is the same name as Jesus, but it's like the Old Testament version. Yeshua. I was like, I was like that is awesome. Yeah, it comes from Yeshua. Definitely naming my kid Joshua. But when Marianne, my wife, was pregnant for him, in fact, he was going to be Joshua Paul, believe it or not. Okay. Anyway, I was, taking, pretty good. I was taking my first uh, philosophy course and learning about St. Thomas Aquinas, and it changed my life. Like, I, I just don't even remember how I thought about the world before that course. Okay. So much so that I was like, nope, that's it. Dude, you just started nerding out on it. Yeah, right. dude's name is Thomas. You nerded out so much you named your kid after him. Yes. Okay. Okay, give me a story about St. <laughs> St. Thomas Aquinas that most people don't know. <sighs> All right. Well, there's so many interesting stories. Uh, let's start at the end, the way he died. <laughs> okay. Yeah, since someone in the first segment got stabbed by a statue <laughs> and lived, let's talk about someone who died. So St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the great saints of church history who impacted the church tremendously, uh, died. He was a doctor of the church. Doctor I of mean, the church. his writings. He's called the universal doctor. Now, what that means is like the doctor of the doctors. Hmm. Wrote the Summa. Yes. Um, he, um, well, I guess we could share a couple stories before his death. To no, get, but go to, go to the All end. Right. Uh, you got me intrigued here. Okay. So he has one of the most bizarre deaths of okay. any saint. Because we, we read these saints and we're like, wow, they were mortar, martyred in a spectacular way. Or wow, they died on their deathbed gripping the crucifix and saying, Jesus, I love you. Or mm-hmm. like, well, that was not St. Thomas's death. St. Thomas's death happened in the dark. He was all alone. He was on his way back from the Council of Lyon, which him and St. Bonaventure uh, participated in. And it was very important. But anyway, he was on the way back in the dark on a mule. Mm. Hits a tree branch with his face. Now he's a large fellow, right? Like he was a large. He fellow. sat around and wrote and debated. And, he was not skinny and enjoyed, you know, the finer things of <laughs> of food well, and he, drink. Or it, no, it was more. Uh, people have speculated as to why he would have been big, but it was not from gluttony. We know that it was more from probably a thyroid condition or okay. something like that. Yeah, where he would just retained weight. Okay. <clears throat> and he did spend a lot of time studying and writing. So it's not like he was actively running. Right. He right. was not, he was not very active. But he also didn't eat a lot. It was just kind of a thyroid probably a thyroid condition. But he was a larger fella. He's riding in the dark. He on doesn't a mule. see it on a mule. Now, if he was riding a horse, I have a different image in my mind, but uh if you've ever rode a donkey, you can think to yourself, have you, have you ever ridden a donkey? I, it, most people who ride a donkey, like you think to yourself, I would rather walk. <laughs> I could walk faster than this. I can, you know, but it makes sense now. He probably wasn't super in shape. It's like, well, let me just ride the donkey. Yeah. Because if I was walking next to him, I would be walking faster than the donkey was walking. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So he's on the donkey. In the dark. And he doesn't see this tree branch, low-hanging tree branch in front of him. Hmm. And uh, gets hit, falls back, and dies. That's it. Done. He was found the next morning by some monks from a different religious order uh, who claimed his body. So he was a Dominican. He was a Dominican. Um, They claimed his body, started chopping him up for relics. When the Dominicans found out about it, about his death, when the Dominicans found out about his death, they come to retrieve his body and they're like, no, you can't have it. Wow. And uh, that's why he's buried in Toulouse, France right now. And um, anyway, that is the non-glorious way of one of the most glorious saints 
That's crazy. And, and it actually kind of sad. Now, look, God has a plan for everything. Maybe it was a good time in his life to die. And, you know, in his last writing, he's kind of like, I feel like I've written everything I could, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he was kind of like at that point where he's like, I've said it all. I've said everything at least I can say, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you read his writings, it, they're so dense, right? Like yeah. you almost have to get summaries of them or study them within years. Well, that's funny because there is that. So the Summa... Theologica is the summary of theology. And right. One of the famous books is the Summa of the Summa. The Summa. The of summary the summa. of the summary. Yeah. The Cliff Notes of the Cliff Notes. <laughs> yeah. You know. But he was forty nine when he passed. Yeah, he was you not know? old. He was not old. Well, uh, so on that, another interesting story. Um, this is total nerding out, but what you're referring to is so he he was asked to write basically a textbook for beginners for like students at the college who are going to start the work of theology. They asked him to do that because his lectures were um, so helpful, right? But more people wanted access to them. As he was teaching at the University of Paris, more mm-hmm. people wanted to get access to his mind. Right. So he was asked to write this book. So he starts writing the Summa Theologica. Okay. And he, he sets out to work on three parts of it. So the first part is like about God, basically. Mm-hmm. So creation, the Trinity... Uh, properties of God, that kind of stuff. Sort of like the catechism starts off. There you go. The second part would be about man, basically. Mm. So you could say the moral life, but about us, our life, our nature, how we ought to live to be happy, that kind of thing. And then the third part would be um, basically about the sacraments or about um, those aspects of the faith that are kind of the blending, I guess, of God and man, if you look at it that way, like how grace works, let's say. But sacraments, the incarnation, the mysteries of the faith, uh, so a little more specific stuff. That he did not finish, the third part. And it was because he had a vision, a mystical encounter with the Lord, where he he was, that encounter, he saw God so so clearly in it that when he came back from that vision, he said, everything I've written so far is just straw compared to the reality. Hmm. Now, he was not saying it was wrong, right? but he was saying, from what I've seen of God... It was diluted. It just seems so short. Like, hmm. there's no use writing anymore. So he hmm. didn't finish writing it. Um, now, I'm no Aquinas. I'm not even close. Like, I read his stuff, I'm like, this dude was deep. Mm-hmm. And the philosophy and the theology and the all of it, right? <clears throat> is is pretty great. Um, and you know, but you know, one of the things is like, after you write a book, you start having doubts about it and you're like, Oh, I could have put more in there. Or I could have said things differently. Yeah. And you can't take it back. You know, like you can write another one, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting that he had this revelation of like, you know, that, that gave him insight of like the, the, you know, the, the realness of like what he was writing about. Right that what he wrote about couldn't compare to what he saw. And that's sort of what heaven's going to be like. That yes. is what heaven's going to be like. Yeah. You know, it'll be it'll be a fulfillment of what we think we know, and then when we see it, it won't even compare to what we think we know. Right. Like God, being in God's presence, like being in heaven, won't even compare to what we think we know right now in our mortal brains and minds and intellect about who God is. Like, if we get to heaven, we'd be like, hmm, I knew this. <laughs> That's how I thought it would be. That's exactly how I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, None oh, of us are going to be like that, yeah. Sort of disappointed. It's exactly what I thought. Like, no, it's it's going to be, you know, way different, you know? And I, 
I do think like oftentimes, like we struggle so much and there's so much debate and, and infighting and outfighting. And, and we just get so stuck in our small little brains about how big and powerful God is. And, and mm-hmm. we, we just, you know, and, and God, you know, I think when we get to heaven, it's like our minds are going to explode. I think Aquinas agrees with you, I guess, to continue the nerding out. So Aquinas, most of church theologians until around the time of Aquinas would look to Plato as like the philosopher mm-hmm. and using his philosophy to help explain the faith. Yep. Aristotle, Plato's student, his work was basically lost in the West but preserved actually by Muslims in the East. Hmm. And we re-encountered Aristotle in the Crusades when we went to the East, and we're literally fighting Muslims. But anyway, we we as a church re-encountered Aristotle around the Crusade time. And Aquinas saw in Aristotle a greater philosopher than Plato. And so he uses Aristotle. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because of what you just said. So... For Aristotle and for Aquinas, and for Plato too, but for Aristotle and Aquinas, the truth is way bigger than anything we could say about it. Mm-hmm. The truth is a is a great mystery. It it exists whether we know it or not. Things are true. God exists. Um, human nature exists, whether I know it or not. And truth in me is when I conform to that reality. But I will never contain it or exhaust it or whatever. Truth is something we look at together. It's not something that I own or you own or like, let me tell you about this. But it's something both of us are going to look at in mystery and in awe. And that's why Aquinas, um, so I've been told, would would kind of um, despise the idea of like Thomism, let's say, or like his way of looking at things. He would say, no, no, no. Like we're all looking at the same truth together, this mystery that's greater than anything we could imagine. But at the same time, we can know certain things about it, we can't, what God has revealed to us and also what our minds can understand. So he was very big on what you just said, that God, truth, reality is huge. Um, and the best use of our reason is to simply put us in awe of that mystery, not to somehow master it and say, we know everything about it. Hmm. The Summa Theologia, his last and unfortunately incomplete work it says deals with the whole of catholic theology like you were explaining in three parts he stopped work on it after celebrating mass on december 6 1273 where he had this you know revelation vision when asked why he stopped writing he replied i cannot go on all that i have written seems to me like so much straw compared to what i have seen and what has been revealed to me Mm -hmm. and he died um six months later or not even four. Yeah. So he was in tune with the Lord. You know, you mm-hmm. think about that. Like mm-hmm. he he had this finality to his work. Yeah. Already revealed to him. And then, you know, dude hits a tree branch, <laughs> flips off the back of a donkey, and done. Yeah. You know, like crazy. And I hadn't thought about it, you just said it, but like the unglorious way he died is also kind of the unglorious way his his greatest work ended, unfinished. Mm. And um, there's something beautiful about that. So, because Aquinas points to God. Yeah. He's not pointing to himself. He's no, not I'm, saying, you know, it's almost a way that God gives Thomas glory because Thomas would have it no other way than for his life to end 
like that because it points to God, not to him. Like right. we, we see his work is incomplete. We see his death is really weird and strange, you know? Now here's my other theory about the week. You know, the conversion of St. Paul and St. Thomas Aquinas are on the same week. They both fell off four-legged animals. Hey, now. I'm just saying. Hey, now. You see? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what are the coincidences? I have to look up. St. Francis Sales, did he fall off a horse, or a tiger? I don't know about any horses or tigers for St. Francis of Sales. I don't know about that. You know, I, I have no idea. <laughs> so. I'm sure he fell off a horse once. Hmm. Have you ever fallen off a horse? No. I'd have to get on one to fall off one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> see, if I ride a donkey, my feet drag the ground. Like, it makes no mm. sense. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be a funny sight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, look, if if you're somehow inspired by this nerding, nerding out segment to pick up Aquinas. Name your kid after him. <laughs> do it. But I would say don't start with the Summa. No. Because what he would say his greatest work was, and what he would say theology really is about, this is again nerding out a little bit, but was his scripture commentary. Mm. The Summa was for him the preparation for theology. It was the be- like, you need to know these things about the faith in order to then do theology, which he would define as scriptural commentary. That's what people don't get. The Summa was to prep for what he says the real work was, which was to read the scriptures and try to understand them, Hmm. to encounter Christ in the scriptures. His scripture commentary is beautiful, it's wonderful, and he wrote a commentary on the three greatest prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be. Hmm. That is fantastic. That's the work of theology, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, and that is where I would say start um, to benefit from his theology. Because we encounter Christ in the scriptures, as he saw, and his theology is just simply to help us encounter that same Christ he did that day when he said Mass. Side note here, this week we celebrate St. Marianne Cope. Marianne Cope, yeah. That's your wife's name. It is. Uh, And FYI, she lived in Hawaii. So I don't know if God's speaking to you guys right now, like you and your wife. Maybe a life in Hawaii, maybe a trip. That's a running joke that we have in the home, actually. Because several years ago, when I, before I started discerning the diaconate, um, the Lord was putting someone on our heart, like he's calling us to something. So we're thinking big, like, is he calling us to be foreign missions? Is, and I, I seriously thought for about three minutes. Hawaii. Don't they need missionaries in Hawaii? Yeah. Don't they, they, doesn't Hawaii need the gospel? They do. They about, absolutely About do. three minutes. Yeah. Maybe just go for a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Deacon Adam Conk, the bear. Paul George <laughs> here in studio. Thanks, everyone, for listening in on the show today. KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. 
or on the podcast, wherever you are. Lots of great stuff going on. We have a pretty uh, powerful gospel this week, FYI. What? Yeah. I mean, one of the no most surprising. famous gospel readings, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. The Beatitudes. Mm. I mean, what? I mean. Talk about. Yeah. <clears throat> there's, you know, obviously there's a lot to unpack there. And I'm wondering what St. Thomas Aquinas would say about it. <laughs> well, you could. I should should read about it. Could look it up. You know, so his his famous you know writing. I mean, like you were saying, his explanation of scripture and understanding it. You know, sort of the exegesis of scripture. Well, that's what he would say. Is, is there commentary that we can have? Oh yeah, on his commentary on scripture. <laughs> well, I don't know if you. I mean, yes, but so a couple of thoughts on that. One, he did do the entire New Testament. So, wrote that. a commentary on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, is there a um, you know Aquinas Bible in a sense? Like you know, people have you know have a Bible, and then you know the 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 footnotes oh. and the commentary down at the bottom would explain mm-hmm. you know maybe the scripture, but I don't know. Maybe that <clears throat> be interesting to see. But maybe uh, Paul George Dalla can produce that. But um, but the most the most famous example of a scripture commentary is the. Uh, Ora Catina. I don't know I'm saying that wrong because I haven't seen it in Latin, but the golden chain. But what he did was he took all uh, of the church fathers and, and whatever had to say about specific passages of the Gospels, so just the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he compiled them into one place. Mm. And then he gives his own little commentary. It's, a, it's an amazing resource. I've used it countless times for like preparing for homilies, but it's very enriching. Like if you're meditating on the gospels, you get input from like all these church fathers about what they said about this specific verse hmm. or this specific passage. And then Thomas gives his, um, his thoughts. Hmm. So look that up. The golden chain of St. Thomas. Uh, if you're interested in his scripture commentary, that's pretty special. Yeah. So if you, um, when you attend mass this Sunday, you go, um, you'll hear, the Beatitudes, which are powerful. A lot of times we can get lost in them, but you know, one of the, the most powerful lines, you know, I mean, there's, there's many in here, um, that I love is, is at the very beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it's this deep understanding of our spiritual poverty. Like we, we cannot be wealthy spiritually, without grace, without God, without Christ, right? Like we, we can't solve our spiritual poverty. And Jesus, is that's the first line of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, and we had talked about, you know, um, Pope Benedict last week or the week before, you know. I, I think can, both, yeah. I can't remember the show <laughs> that we did, but one of, one of his lines that I love that I put in, my, in the book Rethink Happiness is he talks about spiritual poverty and he says the greatest poverty today is spiritual poverty. Like think about that, right? Like the, and, and, but, but when we think about that, like, it's not like we have to look at other people and say, well, look at all the spiritual poverty. We have to look in the mirror and say like, I'm actually the, the spiritually poor person. And without grace, without Jesus, I have, I can't solve this this issue in my heart. Like I, I only become spiritually fulfilled, wealthy, uh, abundant 
through Christ. I can't do it on my own. Mm -hmm. I guess one of the blocks to the spiritual life, if you're not poor in spirit, is the busyness of the world. When we have things, we have to tend to those things. You know? Like, I've never had a million dollars, but I bet if I did, mm-hmm. there, there'd be a lot to worry about that million dollars. Like, I'd have to do stuff with it. I'd have to check on this, check on that. Like, it, it brings a certain amount of anxiety to have things. Um, St. Paul talks about this when he advises people who are not married to not marry so that they, they could stay anxious about the Lord mm. and not their spouse. This right. is the type of worldly anxiety that um, Paul would have spared his his disciples from, but... Point being, to be poor in spirit, life, it's the only way to have the simplicity of life we all really want. Because nothing's more simple than simply, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Yeah. That simplifies everything. Yeah. And the only reason why that would be complicated is if we're not poor in spirit. Yeah, and I think if you talk to anybody, look, we're all in the grind, the the day-to-day, the work, you know, the thing, you know, the deal. And you talk to anybody. Rich, poor, in between, whatever the case may be, everyone would say, "I would, I would love simplicity in my life. Mm-hmm. I would love life to be simple, not so complicated, not so crazy and hectic, you know." And like we're just, like our hearts desire simplicity, and th- this is at the end of the day, like the spiritual life gives us a sense of who we are and our deep, deepest desires, and when we enter into to prayer into contemplation, into quietness and silence, we begin to understand that that all those <clears throat> ancillary items in our life don't really matter or define us. Yeah, they're a part of our life, and, and yeah, they distract us, but like, at the end of the day, like, who am I in relationship with God, and do I find the quiet in the space to reflect and think and pray? And, you know, without that, like, I, I don't, <clears throat> man, I'm not surviving. I, I don't, you know, like, I'm my mind's so active, right? And and like I, we got so much going on, right? Mm-hmm. You were talking about your, you know, your job. Like it's just like the busiest time, right? Mm-hmm. With and you come back from retreat, you know, like without those the those moments to retreat, to pray each day, to reflect, like we're just completely lost. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we try to. F- fulfill our spiritual poverty with other things. Oh, if I make more money, if I work harder, if I do these and da 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 dee and we just keep adding and before we know it, we're just trying to solve our spiritual poverty and the Lord's like, hey, you're already spiritually broke and the only way to solve <laughs> this issue is to be in relationship with me and to sit with me and reflect in me and like learn about me and grow in me and then this, you know, begins to fulfill your heart with something deeper that nothing else can satisfy, mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah, I think a lot a lot of us Catholics, Christians that want to follow the Lord, want to do this saintly thing, like, okay, I'll become a saint. That sounds great. That's awesome. I think we can use, a, a, myself included, a, a good reflection on this beatitude because a lot of times we write spiritual checks that our, our relationship with God can't cash. <laughs> So sure. what, I, what I mean by that is like... I'm loving it. I'm <laughs> loving the analogy. What I mean by that is like, as I raise my kids and develop my home life, if it's me doing it, if it's me kind of figuring this stuff out, like I'm writing a check that I really, that can't be cashed. Right. Um, 
But if God's doing it, if God's actually the one arranging it, and if his grace is flowing into my family because I'm poor enough to let it happen, mm-hmm. then he's the one making the promises and fulfilling them. All of my promises will, will come up short, like Adam Conk's promises to right. my kids, to my wife, to my friends, to my coworkers. Like they're all going to, those are checks I can't, there's an insufficient funds. <laughs> you got checks you can't cash, yeah. son. <laughs> insufficient funds. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But God's promises, on the other hand, you know, but those are only to the poor. I mean, what did Our Lady say in, in, in her song of praise of God when she realized that Christ, that God had come to earth to fulfill his promises, that um, the mighty would fall, right? And God lifts the lowly and mm. fills the hungry with good things. But the rich, he sends away empty. Mm. Empty right. because the rich are writing checks they can't cash. Um. <clears throat> Okay, speaking of uh, being rich, we have this rich segment. We're saving it for last today, man. I'm loving this. But because we added a segment today. Yeah, we did. And you hit a home run on the Nerd Fest. Oh, (laughs) I was nerding out. So we're going to go weird Catholic stuff. What? Some weird stuff, man. What are you talking about? I'm talking about you weird Catholic people. I'll do some weird things. Yep, I think so. Weird Catholic stuff! All right. Um, this is kind of weird. It happened at the turn of the new year. I didn't hear about this till now. Um, but have you ever heard of... I'm sure you have, but I had to remind myself who it was. But Father Gregor Mendel. Father Gregor Mendel, who's an Augustinian monk. Mendel uh, is the father of genetics, they call him. But this is the guy who figured out the whole... You remember in school when you learned, like, okay, you pair that plant with that plant, it'll end up with this result. And then, like, kind of had this chart of genetic mapping or whatever. Okay. It was called a Mendel chart. Okay. Because he developed this. He did all the, the work. He's the father of genetics. Man, what have I done with my life? I have nothing named after <laughs> me. <laughs> well, you got time. He died at the... Well, okay. Here's what happened at the turn of this century. He turned 200 years old. So he was born in uh, 1822. Okay. So at 2022, um, and he died at the age of 62. So you got time. I guess a little sorry. Got time. Um, Scientists who love Father Mendel, although they don't call him Father Mendel. Like I remember, I was at a Catholic school. So the Mendel chart doesn't have Father in front of it, so you don't think about it. Yeah. But he was a priest. Yeah. Okay. Even when, you know, when I was learning this in high school, we didn't mention that either. Like we didn't say, "Hey, this guy was a priest. Priests do awesome things." We mm-hmm. just said the Mendel chart or the whatever. Well, scientists who love him, uh, he's buried in the Czech Republic where he lived. They thought the best way to honor him okay. was to dig up his remains and do a DNA test, since he's the father of genetics and DNA. Okay, let's DNA DNA test this guy. Just so, cause. This is so Just weird. Dig up his remains, okay, and put them on display. Even which is what they did. Is I, is he a saint? No, he's not a saint. He's you know. No. Okay. I don't, I don't think there's uh, any what, reason. What did they find out? Like, and like, what was the point? <laughs> well, I guess just kind of like a a DNA stunt. I don't know, just to call attention to DNA. But but they did it uh, on December 30th. They did find out a couple of things that are mm-hmm. interesting. Did he have children? 
Did not have children. Okay. Um, but one is he had an extraordinarily large brain. Hmm. They so, found that out from DNA. Apparently. <clears throat> well, and from examining his skull. It's kind of weird. This is the weird Catholic thing. Like, they actually laid it out like you would do a dinosaur exhibit. Laid out his his skeleton. I would say, like, if they did that to me after I died, that's not one of the things that they would necessarily say about me. Big Man, brain. he had a huge brain. This mm. guy's brain. Wow. <laughs> Off the charts. Totally. Total genius. It was coming out of his skull. <laughs> so huge. He apparently had um, a lot of mood swings in his life, and they found, like, that was recorded, and they found some DNA evidence to back that up that he had, probably had some kind of um, uh, epileptic slash, like, in that zone issue with his brain that would cause these, like, mood yeah. swings. Um, so that was helpful to know. And uh, anyway, so I think this is weird. And another weird thing about this that Catholics do, so if you've never been to a, um, he was an Augustinian monk, if you've never been to like a monastery's graveyard or something like that, a lot of times we'll just pile on people into the same grave. So like brothers, so you have a list of 12 brothers in like the same grave. For him, there were five. On, his, like on top of each other? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, the school you work out has a grave. Yeah, a graveyard. Uh, graveyard. Yep. Like just in the middle of the playground. There That's it right. is. There it is. Like all the all the old brothers are Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. buried there. No yeah, biggie. They're one at a time, though. No biggie, kids. Just go play in the graveyard. So the first task was to figure out which grave was his because they didn't know. So oh. I had to figure that one out. How would they know? DNA? I mean, did they have... Yeah, I guess they would have had DNA samples of him. Yes, but, but, but they had to do the... Uh, Let's do some research. Thankfully, for whatever reason, they lined the coffins with newspapers, I guess, to help preserve them. I don't know. Hmm. So the one um, that lined Father Mendel's coffin was like that week's newspaper when he died. Really? So they would have matched that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so, yeah, this is weird, and uh, you can look it up. But Well, Catholics are weird. You know, we do dig up people, man. All the time. You know, and... Not I, afraid of it. You know, and I'm thinking, like, how long is it going to be before they dig up Pope Benedict? Mm-hmm. Like, how long do they wait to be like, I wonder what's, what's up with him? I mm-hmm. wonder what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, has he disintegrated? You know, or is he, you know, just still like, you know... It's going to happen. Intact? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is not like... Oh, maybe we'll do it. You know what's going to happen. Like, this mm-hmm. is how weird. And then, if he's, like, becomes a saint for some reason, shape or form, like, then they're going to cut up his bones. Yeah. Like they did St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> That's right. They're going to distribute out the relics across the, the nations. World. Yeah. And people are going to be like, guess what I got? <laughs> they will. And, you, and Catholic, they'll pull it out their pocket. <laughs> Be like, guess what I got? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like drugs, money. No, no, no. I got a relic of Pope Benedict. And they'll pull it out. And you're just like, oh, what is it? It's like, oh, it's his eyelash. You know, whatever. <laughs> this is normal conversation. I'm laughing because I've had that exact experience, which I'm sure you've had too. <laughs> That's, yeah. Someone says, guess what I got? And guess what I got? It's a really weird thing. I remember that before Mother Teresa was a saint, someone told me that. And, uh, it was a woman, and Mother Teresa had stayed at our house on one occasion, some occasion, I forget, whatever, she was in town, I don't know. Yeah. And she stole a, she stole clothes 
and didn't tell her. So and I just stole some of her clothes, and like that's what she's holding on to. And uh, she said, "Look, look what I got." What is the moral <laughs> responsibility there? There you go. You so, know, like what's what's the dilemma? Well, she needs to go to confession. Yeah, and then she needs to donate the clothes to her Mother Teresa's religious order, and then they can distribute them as they wish. It's true. I think so. So that is a weird thing Catholics do. We dig up people. We're okay with it. Uh, it's crazy. Like we had a guy on our Greek group who I don't know if you remember during during one of the the sessions we were having. Um, I don't know if his one of his relatives or something like they passed away like old and then in mm-hmm. the house like and they left the relics to him like he his grandma or great grandma or something had like like legit relics in the house mm-hmm. and then like you know since he was like the you know the catholic guy that they gave him to him and he got them huh. and he was like holy smokes like i got <laughs> like relics of like these great saints mm-hmm. he's like yeah yeah they were just in grandma's house in the drawer <laughs> like where else would they be <laughs> right yeah like she must have collected them like got a hold of them mm-hmm. like who knows who knows it's so strange it is strange what tell we you do. what, man. When you die on a donkey, I'm going to cut you up, distribute your relics. How crazy <laughs> is that? You have my permission if you want to. Like, to even me, like, up. looking at you, like, now, like, right now, I'll be like, I'm going to get a piece of his beard. <laughs> I'm going to save it. People do that to holy people. They don't do that to me. Um, it's but people just do that to holy strange. people. Like, I want a piece of their beard, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I can, I know maybe. A couple of people who are alive who I would think, hmm. Want a piece of that beard. They might be a saint. Hmm. I'm going to steal his, uh, his flip-flop. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, what? It's yeah. just crazy. Like, seriously. Like, the va- they're going to dig up Benedict soon, and it's going to be this thing, and like, whatever. And then, I don't know. It's just crazy to think about, right? It is. It's weird. But it, it is a Catholic thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it is weird. Um, so anyway, uh, great show. Um, lots of amazing things this week. Great gospel saints. So uh, stay plugged in. Thanks for listening to the show here in KLFT, here in Acadiana, and on the podcast, wherever you're listening. You want more of the show, just go to paulgeorge.la. The podcast is there. And uh, feel free to share it and grow it. And we'll talk to you next week. God bless. <laughs>